Southern in Louisville, our Leo Masters is going to be with me, sitting side by side. So that's when all the stuff is going to come out. I'm going to hold back now, but I'm going to just get, just get with Leo after that class, and you'll hear the rest of the story about Jeff and all of those things. It is such a joy to be with you, and so many of you have said so many encouraging things about Jeff and Judy and their family and their ministry here. And for the rest of you who've said other things, I understand. I get that. I grew up with them, and, and it's totally fine. You're safe with me. No, it's, it, we've, had a, we've had a great time visiting, seeing how uh, our glorious Creator has outdone Himself in your state. And let me encourage you, if you um, have gotten immune to the glory of God on display, to look again with fresh eyes at all of his handiwork and (laughs) artistry all around you every day and stop and praise God for his glorious creation here in your state. Uh, We have had a great time touring around and hearing lots of great stories. My wife Lynn and I uh, took the train up to Denali uh, early in the week and we heard stories of climbers and dangers and just the extremes that are going on. Uh, We've heard lots of good bear stories and uh, that's great. I could give you some possum stories from Georgia but they're not as exciting. Um, (laughs) But it, it, it certainly can be extreme. It's extreme just to live here sometimes when you have winters like you guys had. I mean, I hear Jeff, we talk on the phone, you know, he's telling me how dark and cold and it is, and you know what? It doesn't get dark here. We've we've been here, it never gets dark. I don't know, I think he's overhyping it to try to get some sympathy. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I, I know something of what you guys have endured. And this morning here on Father's Day, I'd like to talk to you about another extreme challenge that we can face, and that is parenting. Certainly this will apply to dads, but has, has much application to moms as well, as well as all of us. Because even if you're not in the front lines of parenting, you are surrounded by those who are. We live near Atlanta. We're not far at all from the airport. And so we have a lot of airline personnel in our church, as well as a couple of guys that work for the FAA. I know nothing about getting planes, you know, to where they need to go and the radar system, but that's their burden. That's their stressful job, and I'm in there with them, in loving them and praying with them about some of the challenges they experience at work. And the same is true within a church family. You may not be in the front lines of parenting, but we're all in this together. There are people going through extreme challenges, perhaps even sitting in your pew. And uh, this is a team sport, Christianity and parenting. We appreciate one another. Sometimes uh, the challenges are when we catch a child in a hidden sin and our hearts are just broken. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with difficult parenting decisions What discipline do I do at this time? How much? What words will get to the heart of their problem and to shepherd their hearts to Christ? Some feel a lack of support from their spouse. Feel like I'm in this battle on my own. Some feel a lack of appreciation from their kids or from their spouse for what they are going through. What about a lack of sleep sometimes? 
That makes all of us uh, challenged. But uh, wow, it can be especially difficult. Then when our kids get older, they become more independent and our hearts are burdened. Will they succumb to peer pressure? Will they succumb to influences toward things which are not right? And uh, it can just be, it can feel uh, overwhelming to moms and dads. I heard about one Mother's Day card where it had a little boy on the front and he's got his wagon and toys everywhere and the handwriting is kind of in first grade printing. He has a little cut on his face and there's smudges on the card and it says on the front, Mom, I remember that little prayer you used to say for me every day. And you open the inside of it and it says, God help you if you ever do that again. (laughs) Some of us feel like that and we feel like that's where we are and that's where we live and we need encouragement and we need reminders. I'm not going to give you anything deep and profound. It's going to be pretty basic, but it's important to hear it again and again and again. Why is that? Because of our sin, our hearts forget. We forget the truths that we know. One uh, friend of mine and mentor said, the Christian life is learning things, forgetting them, and being reminded of them. It's kind of like that seminary student that was studying for his final exam. He was highlighting and marking up his book. He got through a hundred pages. He was feeling pretty good about it. And his wife walks by with an armful of laundry and says, what do you think you're doing? He says, I'm studying for my final and all that. What does it look like I'm doing? He says, well, it looks like you're marking up some pretty important stuff with your son's new invisible ink uh, writer that he got in the Rice Krispie box. The special pen, and and sure enough, as he looks backwards, he sees all of his yellow fading, 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 till he gets back to the front pages, and it's completely gone. Well, again, because of the remaining sin within us and the fallen world, that's how truth is in our hearts. It just kind of fades, and we need to be reminded and refreshed and encouraged, and I want to try to help in that today to give a bunch of reminders, 14, in fact, remedies for a discouraged dad and mom. So if you're discouraged today, I want to try to freshen up the ink in your hearts with some fresh encouragement. And if you're not discouraged, there's probably some people around you that could use a hand on the shoulder or a special prayer, or this may be you tomorrow. You never know how these things go. Let's start with number one. First reminder for a discouraged dad or mom is this. God sees and will reward your hard work. I think parenting is similar to farming. There's a lot of it that takes a long time and you see very little results. You are planting your seed, you are fertilizing, you are watering, you are picking weeds, and you are seeing nothing. Uh, Yesterday, or the other day, one of these days, uh, my family got to go up to Palmer, and we got to go in the visitor center, and they have some samples and some pictures of those world record cabbages, you know, and and, uh, all these massive Uh, superhuman looking vegetables that are grown here in the summer. 
and uh, how neat that was to see. But even in Palmer, it starts small. And it starts without seeing anything uh, until God brings the harvest. And sometimes in our parenting, we are just not feeling like it's working. But it's important to be encouraged that God sees your work. And God knows all about it. He will reward you even if it doesn't seem like anything good is happening. Let me give you a couple of verses, and these are ones to jot down, maybe even to memorize, especially if that is your specific discouragement, that it feels like nobody knows what's going on. Here's one in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. The author of Hebrews is writing to encourage the Hebrews that God sees your service, and certainly that applies to parents as well. Here's another one. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. For the one who... uh, that's verse 8. Verse 9. And, God, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. God is watching. God cares And he knows all about it. Here's a second remedy for a discouraged dad or mom. God is concerned about faithfulness, not results. God is concerned about faithfulness, not results. Now this does not mean that a parent doesn't do their very best to be the best parent that they can. It doesn't mean that we don't care about what's going on in the hearts of our children. But there is plenty as parents that we cannot control about what's going on in the hearts of our kids. It is wrong and frustrating and tempting when we try to take responsibility for that over which we have no control. Dads and moms should be passionate about seeing their kids walk with Christ and not resting until that is true. However, we must focus on being faithful to do the part we can control and leave to God the part that he takes care of. Great illustration of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verses 5 through 7, the Bible says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And then down in chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy or faithful. Are you a faithful dad this morning? That's the question. Not as much 
what are the results, but are you doing the stuff of God-honoring parenting faithfully, as faithfully as you can? That's what God's going to ask on that last day. Were you faithful to fulfill the charge that I have given to you? He's going to take care of the results. Here's a third remedy for a discouraged dad or mom. Number three, your totally delightful children are totally depraved children. Now, why would that be an encouragement? Maybe that's an encouragement in Georgia, but it doesn't seem to be an encouragement here in Anchorage. Well, the reason why that's encouraging is it explains a lot. It explains a lot. Here's a good saying to remember. Sinners sin. Sinners sin. Don't be so surprised when they do it. Don't take it personally when they sin against you. How many moms have had their hearts broken by things that their kids have just spewed out? Just in whatever. In their, uh, in their sin. I know that uh, growing up, Jeff and I certainly had many times where we said unkind things to one another, unkind things to our parents, and, and uh, y- you know, not that we m- meant them even. I mean, not that I, I'm not suggesting we're not responsible for, for the things that we did, but we just, you just sin. Sinners do that. You don't have to teach babies to go, mine. And be selfish. They know. They're born depraved. They just are automatically sinful. And uh, it's just good not to take some of that so personally. And to recognize that it is what it is. Psalm 51 verse 5. David says, in sin I was conceived. I was born in iniquity. That's what I'm about. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 talks about how we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. And so it's just good to recognize and remember what we're dealing with. Here's number four. A fourth remedy for a discouraged dad or mom is that God is sovereignly at work in the lives of your children. God is sovereignly at work in the lives of of your children. He's always at work. He's always working. He's the one who's sovereign over salvation. He's the one over, that is sovereign over sanctification. In that same chapter I referenced before, Ephesians chapter 2, after it talks about being dead in trespasses and, and sins in verses 1 through 3, verse 4 of Ephesians 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We sow the gospel, but God is the one that sovereignly brings life. Certainly the older our children become, the more concerned we are as parents to see them following Christ from their hearts. But we can't make that happen as much as we would like. The old farmer said you can bring the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can feed him salt, hoping he'll get thirsty, and then we'll drink, but you still can't make it happen. The same is true 
with the hearts of every one of our kids. We have to trust the Lord. We do what we can do and trust that God is at work using these things. He's also sovereign over their growth, their spiritual growth as well. Christian maturity is not an event. It is a way of life. It is a path that we follow. And the same sovereign God that saves us is the one that matures us. We look to God for the results of Christian progress in our young people. One time I heard my mom and Jeff's mom uh, say that the greatest thing that she did for us was pray us through our teenage years. Do you remember the old show uh, Batman, not the movies, but the show where, where Commissioner Gordon had the red phone in his office that went right to stately Wayne Manor where he could call and get in touch with Batman. Jeff and I were convinced that my mom had such a phone straight to heaven. You know, she could get God's attention and praying for us in ways that we could not imagine. So absolutely, we want to take responsibility as parents to, to faithfully shepherd their hearts to, to Christ. But then we want to trust God to do the things that he does. And that leads us to our fifth remedy that we want to look at today. The fifth remedy for a discouraged parent is that God works through means. God works through means. What that means is that even though God is sovereign over salvation and sanctification, there are things on earth that he has appointed as channels of his saving grace. Now, why is that an encouragement to know that God works through means? Here's the reason that's encouraging. If you are using those means in your parenting, you can know and have great hope that God is going to be at work in the hearts of your kids. Just this morning, I was talking to someone and we were uh, talking about some of the different characters we had seen and we were up in, in Wasilla and, and uh, went to the big, uh, there's a playground out there that we had our kids on before we went over to the Iditarod headquarters and we were laughing at some of the skateboarders that we saw and, and uh, someone made the comment, well, some of them could have actually had guns too. And it's like, wow, that is just amazing. But, uh, you know, we talk about uh, gun laws and, and carrying guns and things like that. And it's different here in Alaska than it is where, where I live in Georgia. But I'm telling you, God has got powerful means that are more powerful than any kind of weapon you could handle. And that's what we're bringing to our kids when we bring the word of God and the gospel to our kids. We are putting in their hearts powerful, explosive force and energy that God has established. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, one of the key verses in the entire book of Romans, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, 
And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. God's word is powerful and active. God's word never returns to God void. It always accomplishes God's plan. And so when you are shepherding the hearts of your young people, when you are entrusting them and feeding them the logs of truth, you are giving them a potent power, the means that God uses to save their souls and to shape their character and to make them wise unto salvation. Another means God uses is prayer. Prayer. You can't make the horse drink the water, but God can. You can't make your children repent and believe, but God can. And God uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his plan. You've heard about George Mueller, the great pastor, missionary, and leader who had the wonderful orphanages in Bristol, England. He never asked for money, and those orphans, some 2,000, would need supplies and food, and, and Mueller took these requests to the Lord. And if you ever have a chance to read his autobiography or even the abridgment called Answers to Prayer that George Mueller uh, records in his diary, it is amazing. But Mueller, in addition to praying for food for the orphans, prayed for the salvation of the souls of his close friends. And some he prayed for for 10 and 20 and 40 years without seeing them come to faith in Christ. And he was once asked, aren't you discouraged about all your prayers for this guy who's not become a believer? And Mueller answered, if God didn't intend to save him, why would he put him on my heart to pray for him for so long? I think that's the right attitude. And every one of those people on Mueller's list eventually came to faith in Christ. The last one came to faith in Christ at Mueller's funeral, which is great. So Mueller didn't even live to see the answer to his prayer, but that guy became a believer at the occasion of Mueller's homegoing. That's the right attitude for us. These are the means God uses. And if we're doing these, there's reason to be hopeful. Another means God uses is a church family. It's so great to raise your kids in church. I want my kids not just to hear God's word from me. I want them to hear God's word from you. As you share what God has done in your life and verses that mean a lot to you and how God has brought you through trials. That's what a church family does. It was a great encouragement to me last week to be part of your, your business meeting and hear, hearing about some of the wonderful things God is doing here at Anchorage Grace Church. But one of the things I was personally excited about was the new initiative for community groups because I think that is great to get together with other families in the church and get to know each other and encourage each other, hold each other accountable on a whole new level than you can just on Sunday morning. And we need that. We're in this thing together. And these are the means 
God uses to bring our kids to faith in Christ. There's no guarantees, but think about it. Which kid is more likely to come to faith in Christ and to grow to be a young man or woman of God? One that is brought up by Christian parents in a church where the word of God is proclaimed week by week, or a child that is in one of those 2,000 unreached people groups that, if nothing changes, will live and die never hearing the name of Jesus Christ. Which one is more likely to be saved? Say, yes, I believe God is sovereign in salvation, but which is more likely? God uses means to save our kids. And if you're using those means, there's great reason to be hopeful, even if you're not seeing the results you want to right now. Let me take you to number six. Number six, encouragement, remedy for a discouraged dad or mom is God protects your children. God protects your children. And this comes from Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and that you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So when your kids are locked up at home and when your guns are loaded and and at the ready, who is the one who is protecting your kids? Ultimately, it must be God. Even though, yes, we're responsible to do our very best, our kids are always, ultimately, in God's hands. God's hands. He uses dads and moms and means, uh, like locks or guns, to protect our kids. But ultimately, it is God. And the older our kids get, the more independent they become, and the more we see holds in our ability to protect them the more we have to say i'm so thankful that it's god who is in control of these things god is looking out for your young people and that is a great encouragement to me i know a passage that you've studied recently as jeff took you through the sermon on the mount was matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34, which is the one where it says, consider the lilies of the field. You know, they don't sow, they don't reap, but God clothes the flowers more than Solomon in his robes. Consider the birds of the air. You know, God is the one that feeds the birds. God is the one who will supply all of your needs as well as you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It is so comforting to know that God sees your kids, knows all about them, and is watching over them in ways far beyond you're able to do. God sees your kids even when they're about to get in trouble. Uh, I know that Jeff and I would both stop and just, even now, praise God for times we got busted 
by our parents when humanly there was no explanation as to how they should know that we did what we did. But, you know, sitting here in hindsight, we go, thank you, Jesus, for revealing this to mom and dad so that they could completely bust us, you know, for for getting in this trouble. Uh, God does that. I think God makes young kids especially, they tell on themselves and you just go, wow, you totally would have gotten away with that if you hadn't have said anything. (laughs) But God brings that to light so that we can care for them. Here's another encouragement. Number seven, God knows about your trials. God knows about your trials. I think that Sometimes, depending on where we are in our parenting, it seems like nobody can appreciate what we're going through. It feels like we are overwhelmed. It feels like there are no answers. There is no escape. This is just a brutal, brutal time. And that's when we need to go to the comfort of God's word promises like 1 Corinthians 10:13 one of my favorite verses in the Bible and this is one I would certainly encourage you to memorize if you haven't because this one comes up all the time goes like this No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with The temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This verse teaches us that in any trial we're going through, whether parenting or anything else, it is never unique. You are are never experiencing something that no one else has experienced. It just isn't reality. God's not going to let that happen. God is never going to let you be truly overwhelmed. He will always faithfully give you the way of escape so that you can honor him. There's never a situation in your life that you'll go through that you just might as well give up and sin. I'm tempted to think that sometimes. I'm in a tempting situation and I'm tempted to say, good grief, I might as well just sin and get it over with. Then I can repent and get on with it. You know, but that's not the case. The Bible says God is faithful. He sees what you're going through. He knows your limits. He will never let you be overwhelmed. He will always keep that thing in check so that you can honor him. He always will do that. There's always a way of escape to to be obedient to God through the trials and temptations. Here's number eight. An eighth remedy for a discouraged dad or mom god is using your challenges as a father or mother for your sanctification god is using your challenges as a parent for your sanctification now this is one that i uh, that's kind of a new idea to me i tend to think i'm as a pastor or as a parent helping my kids or the people I'm dealing with deal with their problems. I'm over here. I don't have the problem. You've got the problem. I'm helping you with your problem. But what this is saying is God is using your kids and their issues to work on you. 
He's working on you. I remember a biblical counselor, Stuart Scott, once saying, never forget when you're in the counseling room that God is using you to help them, but he's using them to help you. You're not the one with all the answers that just sits back on your high horse spouting out your wisdom. God's at work in all of our lives at the same time. Remember Romans 8, 28. God uh, causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Good things in life, bad things in life. God is working in all of those things. Romans 8, 29 and 30 tell us to make you more like Jesus, to conform you into the image of his son. Same truth is echoed by James 1, verses 2 through 5, that strange verse that says you should count your trials as what? You remember that? Count your trials as what? James chapter 1, joy. Why should I count my trials as joy? Because God is working in your trials to make you more like Jesus. By the way, and this is for free, that's where you've got that little verse, James 1, 5, that says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously. Now, I'm sure that verse has been applied down the hall a lot. You know, when people have the test come up and they haven't studied quite like the James 1, 5, I believe, you know, give me the wisdom to pass this test. Well, that verse is really a verse about wisdom to count your trials as joy. You're going through a tough time. It doesn't seem like joy, but God, help me believe your word. Help me to see your hand in this situation with this kid at this time. Help me to see that you're working in my life as well. My wife, Lynn, loves it when I do premarital counseling for couples because then I have to remind myself of all that stuff I need to know about the basics of marriage and things like that. Lynn gets more flowers during the year when I'm doing premarital counseling than any other time during the year. You know, I'm remembering all these great lessons like communicate with your wife. Right, right. I knew that was an important one. I need to do that. So God is using your kids and even some of their issues to work in you. And that's a great encouragement. Number nine, the ninth remedy for a discouraged dad or mom is this. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, this is not an excuse to stop trying to be the best parent you can be. But it is a comfort to know that an atmosphere of love goes a long way to cover imperfect parenting. I know several families. I'm thinking of a couple back home where they came to Christ later in life. And they would tell you, we didn't do things like we should have completely from the Bible. Uh, we didn't get that. We didn't cross the T's and dot the I's in our parenting. But their home was filled with love. They loved their kids. The kids loved them. And God used that atmosphere of love to make that a God-honoring home. And both of their kids love Jesus Christ today. What a sweet testimony that is. Fill your home with love. 
even if it's not all that it needs to be. I mean, again, that's not an excuse, right? We want to do what God says no matter what. But it's an encouragement to us that if we have been in a loving home, then God is, is using that in a special way. Number 10, loving discipline works. Loving discipline works. I was privileged to be uh, mentored along when I was in Southern California at Grace Community Church by one of the pastors, Scott Artavanis. Scott and Patty had a bunch of kids in a bunch, a few years, all together. They were all bunched up together. They had four kids in four years, and then number five came two years later, and then two or three you know, years after that came the twins, right? When I saw Jeff and Judy drink out of the same water fountain that Scott and Patty had, I thought about warning them, but I thought, nah, I'll just let it see how it comes out. Well, same situation, right? <laughs> and so what a blessing that is. But with all of those small children at the same time, Scott and Patty had some tough seasons in there. And I was privileged to be right there with Scott in some of his uh, staff meetings in the office when Patty would cry just about in tears where multiple kids are disobeying in multiple times. And, and Scott told Patty, all right, now Patty, I, you know, I'm sitting right in his office. I want you to go in the bathroom. Go in the bathroom. I'm like, wow, is he going to go for the razor blades? You know, <laughs> don't do that. You know, go to the bathroom, and I want you to look at the verses that we wrote out from the Bible that we've we taped up onto the bathroom mirror. And so Scott and Patty are recounting verses from the Word of God because Patty was feeling overwhelmed. This isn't working. Nothing I'm doing is working. It's out of control. And so Scott was helping his wife and helping himself remember the truth of God's word. And some of those proverbs, that some of them sound so even funny the way that they're put, but they're absolutely right and true. And these were some of the ones that they would have on their bathroom mirror. Proverbs 22, verse 15, which says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs 29 Verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 19, excuse me, 29, 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Good to be reminded of God's truth. Sometimes it doesn't feel like discipline is working. Sometimes it doesn't feel like my instruction is working. But God says, this is the means I use. The rod and reproof. Training, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the gospel to their hearts. The gospel works. Discipline works. Now, it's important to say whenever we mention discipline that 
The Bible in no way advocates striking a child in anger ever. We never advocate anything like that abuse. If you are angry with your child, you need to take some time to cool it yourself. Get your own heart right with your child and then bring discipline in love. Always discipline in love. But when we do, we trust that God uses that to get to the hearts of our kids. Here's number 11. Remember the long view. Remember the long view. If you hold a penny up to your eye and you close your other eye, the penny is all you can see. In the same way, sometimes with our parenting or in trials of life, we get overwhelmed, feeling overwhelmed, right? We learned you're not really overwhelmed from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but it feels that way because that's all you can see. And sometimes in our parenting, it's like that as well. It's like all I can see, but we got to put the penny back on the table and get some perspective. This, there's more to it than just this moment or just this discipline encounter. We're looking for the long view, shaping character, training up soldiers for Christ. That's what we're about. Then if you get the really long view, you bring in heaven and hell and you realize one day this little boy or this girl is going to answer to God for their soul. And so every effort I make now is actually going to be echoing in eternity in a real heaven or a real hell. When we see the long view, that really helps us keep our intensity and it, it warns us and encourages us to persevere in our parenting. And here again, I think this is where some of the grandparents among us can be a great blessing to us who are maybe in the trenches to say it's not always like this it remember the big picture it's going to get better it's going to change keep doing the stuff you're doing the right thing remember the long view don't get so focused on this this fixated on this day that's going so badly that you forget the big picture of why you're doing what you're doing Number 12. Now this is for those of you who nothing I've said has gotten quite to your heart enough of encouragement. You need the bonus round of encouragement, okay? This is if you're at rock bottom, all right? Here, this one's for you. Number 12. Remember that God handpicked your kids. God handpicked your kids. He gave you to them and he gave them to you and he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. God did not accidentally drop that one into your family to mess you, your life up. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Number 13. Parenting is all of grace. Parenting is all of grace. The cross of Jesus changes everything. God punished Jesus on the cross in the place of sinners so that God could treat those who believe in Christ, in his death and resurrection, as completely righteous. Me as a dad, I have sinned so many times. 
and my thoughts and my words toward my kids, toward my wife. I am so glad that Jesus died for sinful dads and Jesus died for sinful moms. It is so encouraging to be able to go back to the cross and recognize that the blood of Jesus even covers that sin and this sin. Parenting is all of grace. When your kids sin in grievous ways, aren't you encouraged to know that the blood of Jesus Christ is even sufficient to atone for that sin? It's, it's all of grace. He is the one who gives us the power to carry on. All of our lives should be marked by a gratitude and appreciation for the cross of Jesus Christ. And here's the last one. Number 14, 14th remedy for a discouraged dad or mom. You're not alone. We've talked about this before. You are not alone. And again, we stop to praise God for the church family. We are in this thing together. The Christianity is a team sport. Parenting is a team sport. You are not out there playing golf on your own like they are in the U.S. Open. You are on a team a family of God, that we are in this together to encourage each other, to teach each other, to help each other, to admonish each other, to love one another, and to hold each other accountable. Some of you today, maybe you didn't have a godly upbringing. Maybe you really don't know what you're doing in terms of what the Bible says about parenting. You know what? There are people in this room who can help you. Pastors and elders would love to connect you with an older, wiser couple that could help you, maybe take you through some good material on parenting and uh, to equip you and to hold you accountable. You may feel like, and we have people in our church, they feel just overwhelmed with their, the needs of their kids and, and that kind of thing. And we try to wrap around them and love them and say, we're in this together. You're not out there all by yourself. We are all, I mean, what, what I think of the church, I think of kind of this, this posse of people. We're all in the same thing, running the race together. I, I guess I've got sled dogs on the mind now. It's like we're all pulling the same thing, right? <laughs> Making it to the finish line. We want to cross the line together to run the race together as a church family. I am so glad for you. I'm so glad for you since I have such a great relationship with my brother and we talk so often. I get many, many updates about your church. And as I pray for them, we pray for you as well. And uh, just so grateful for your participation. If you're a person who's kind of on the fringe, let me encourage you to jump in. If you're a person that you've maybe not thought much about this community group thing coming up in the fall, let me encourage you to think seriously about that. Because we need each other. We need each other more than just on Sunday morning. We need each other all the time. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Even the truths we've covered today are written with that little invisible ink highlighter, and they're going to start to fade. You're going to need them to be re-inked pretty soon to remember and to help each other 
remember the truth. My wife is great. One time we were, I was discouraged. I was really worried. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were driving the car and we got talking. I got so worried and anxious that my neck tightened up so much that it was like, wow, it's like a knot is forming in my neck while I'm driving down the road. And I know that this is sinful and <laughs> wrong. And my wife says, all right, think about this circumstance and think about God. What is God doing in this and all this? And she's just reminding me of these truths. And, you know, it's just the stuff we all talk about and think about. Think about your situation from God's point of view. And that was such a great help to me. And she said, well, we're just doing the stuff that we talk about to each other all the time. Now we're just trying to put it in practice. And that's what brothers and sisters do in the body of Christ. And I thank God for you. I'm so thankful for the privilege of being here and the opportunity to encourage you from God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Anchorage Grace Church and thank you for your word and giving it to us and helping us to apply it and think about it in fresh ways that we might learn be reminded and to put into practice these glorious truths. I pray for those that are particularly discouraged. Maybe things aren't going so well at home this week or this season of life. I pray that today you would use your word to give them grace to persevere, to remember the long view and remember you and your part in all of our parenting I pray that this church family would grow strong and continue to prosper spiritually and in every way. And I pray that they would be a shining light in Anchorage, lighting up this town with the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would fill heaven with Alaskans singing the praises of Jesus through the impact of this ministry for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.